Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody, as we continue on. And our attention now on ACC football. We'll touch on the University of Miami as well. Uh, but joining us from, uh, from ESPN and the ACC Network, Andrea Adelson, who um, started here in South Florida and now is a uh, gigantic star in the business. And congratulations on your career. Every time I turn on the television, there you are. Well, you are too kind, Josie. The check is in the mail. You know, thanks for pumping me up to make me bigger than what I am. But uh, I have to say, as a South Florida kid growing up down there, watching the Canes, watching the Dolphins, Every time I get to come on with you, it truly is a joy because I am living out my childhood dream. You know, growing up in Kendall, <laughs> I would watch the Hurricanes and the Dolphins with my dad. And I used to ask him all the time, do you think one day I could write about sports and I could talk about sports? Because I loved it so much. And he said, yes. So this really is a childhood dream for me. Well, there you go. And, and kudos to your father uh, for the inspiration. There you go. Girl dad. Um, yes. The ACC schedule was released. Of course, we have uh, Cal, Stanford, and SMU uh, added in there. As you looked at the schedule, what were some of the things that jumped out to you? Well, obviously, you had to start looking at where Cal, Stanford, and SMU were going to be placed in people's schedule, but also how the league was going to handle the open dates with the travel all the way out to California, or in the case of the California schools, the travel all the way to the East coast. And I think the league did a really good job of trying to make sure they had a decent amount of rest uh, based on whether they were traveling five hours across the country, making a schedule is never going to be perfect. Uh, especially when you have 17 teams and all those 17 teams, by the way, have different requests about things that they want or they need or weekends, they'd rather be home or away. So the fact that the league, I think was able to come up with a schedule that in my view is fairly equitable across the board. I know some schools are going to have their complaints about way the whole thing lays out, but quite honestly, I think getting rid of the divisions just made things a little bit easier to be able to integrate through three new teams. Um, and so I think that the schedule is as good as it can be for a league that now has as many teams as the ACC does. Yeah. My gripes are, are more personal. Uh, Miami and Virginia Tech, first of all, they took that rivalry away, and now they've renewed the rivalry, which is good. They play it on a Friday night, which is bad. However, I understand it because Miami then goes to Cal 
the following uh, week. So that's good because they get the extra day. I just wish Miami and Virginia Tech would play on Saturday. And then uh, for the second year in a row, they sent us on the road during uh, Thanksgiving. I, w- I wish we'd have Thanksgiving at home one time. Hello, ACC. But the uh, <laughs> other than that, I think for Miami, it- it's pretty good. They had Louisville before Florida State, uh, so that makes it kind of tough. And Duke after Florida State, which I think is fine. Yeah, and I can maybe fill in some of the blanks on the questions about the Miami schedule. Um, particularly the Virginia Tech game on Friday night, which, first of all, I think we can all agree, hallelujah, this game is back on the schedule uh, because it's one that the ACC absolutely has to have. And the reason they put it on Friday night was to be able to amplify that game from a national perspective. This year, the ACC has more games played on Friday nights than Thursday nights, uh, which is a change. And one of the biggest reasons why is because now with Thursday night football in the NFL – the ACC and ESPN felt there was an opportunity to enhance college football on Fridays. And while there may be some conflicts with high school football and the ACC completely acknowledges it, when you can have two of your marquee programs in the league and two programs, by the way, that a lot of people think are going to be competing for an ACC championship this year, I think the ACC felt like putting that game on a Friday night got to have a bigger spotlight on Miami Virginia Tech than if they were to play that on a Saturday. And I understand attendance issues and all of that. But from a television perspective, the ACC and ESPN felt really good about having that game uh, on a Friday night. But you're right in that they did that so they could have an extra day before going out to Cal. And Miami is one of a handful of schools that's going out there that gets an open date on the back end of it. So they've tried to be strategic with that. And in the case of Miami, I think they were able to implement that. But I do agree, having to go to Louisville, then Florida State, then Duke is probably the, the toughest stretch, I think, that Miami's going to have um, in the season. Is there, uh, we'll come back to Miami in a moment, is there uh, a team, a school out there that, you look, that they're saying, oh man, they really handed it to us pretty good, that uh, feels like it, the, the deck is stacked against them, that uh, you look at their schedule and go, man, they got stuck with murderer's row. You know, I'm going to sound like a broken record here and say Georgia Tech, yeah. and it feels like Georgia Tech every single year gets the short end of the stick, but every single one of their ACC opponents was a bowl team mm-hmm. a year ago. They have to open with Florida State and Ireland, which, again, both schools agreed to and, and wanted to do, um, but they've got to go to Louisville, to Syracuse, to North Carolina, to Virginia Tech. They've got NC State, which they usually don't play, but without divisions, they've got them. Obviously, they have Miami and um, Duke. And, oh, by the way, they've also got Notre Dame and Georgia uh, for their non-conference games. So, again, I don't know what Georgia Tech has done to deserve this type of treatment from the ACC, but quite honestly, that is the one schedule. As I looked at everybody else's, I said to myself, not Georgia Tech again getting stuck with a tough schedule. (laughs) Well, uh, well, somebody has to do it, I guess. Andrea, what about Miami, Florida on opening? Well, I guess it's not really opening weekend since Florida State plays Georgia Tech, but it's kind of the opening weekend when everybody else plays. Uh, Miami and Florida in Gainesville, uh, they get to renew the rivalry. Um, that's a big one for both, both uh, Florida and Miami and for both head coaches. 
Josie, I have a feeling I'll be seeing you in Gainesville yeah. uh, that weekend. I don't, I don't know what gives me the idea that I yeah. would drive an hour 45 from Orlando up to Gainesville for that game. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a huge game for both programs. You know, Billy Napier going into year three, Mario Cristobal going into year three. And neither one of them has had the results quite yet that I think their fan bases expected. Um, because both of those hires were celebrated uh, when they got to their respective teams. In the case of Mario, obviously, we all knew. Um, how happy and excited everybody was at, at Miami to see him take over. I think now in year three that he's been able to set the foundation and build the type of culture that he wants, bringing in Cam Ward now at quarterback, making some of the um, uh, moves that they've made both in the portal and obviously with the signing class, bringing back the core of those freshmen who played so well a year ago. There's a reason I think that optimism is going to be really high for Miami going into that game. I think Miami's probably going to be favored going into that game, quite honestly, because Florida, to me, feels like a program that still isn't as settled in uh, as they would like to be. Uh, Graham Mertz is coming back um, as their veteran quarterback. They have a freshman in DJ Lagway that they're excited about at quarterback, but they lose their best running back in ETN. They've lost a bunch of guys into the portal. I don't think the recruiting class that they signed was as good as they had hoped because they had some decommitments there at the end. So to me, it feels like Florida is in a little bit more of uh, a situation where they have to win this year. And you talk about a difficult schedule, what I just listed off for your tech, well, that's nothing compared to who Florida has to play this year. So that's why that game against Miami is going to be so important for them. But for Miami, it's important to just set the tone, right? That things are going to be different in year three, that, that, that they've turned a corner, right? All the changes that Mario has made have been building up to this moment for them to be able to go on the road and win a rivalry game like that. And really, when you look at who else they have in the first month of the season, if they can get to Virginia Tech 4-0 um, and, and have that game at home, I know it's a Friday night, but I think there's the potential for that game uh, to generate a lot of excitement, not just from a national perspective, but locally as well, because we're talking about, again, if they can beat Florida and beat those other teams to get to Virginia Tech, um, we're going to see a lot of that optimism that people had when Mario first came into Miami. Andrea, I think both uh, picking up on Miami, Florida for a moment, both Napier and Mario are going to get hit with this whammy this year. And that is, I think they both came in with very good intentions of rebuilding their programs the right way, really through recruiting, uh, recruiting high school players, top high school players. And now we have the transfer portal that is, I mean, it's the transfer portal on steroids compared to where it was two years ago because of the rules. And so the fan bases are going to look at that and go, rebuild, five-year plan, four-year plan. You guys are in year three. Now, we want to do it now because we can go out and get any player we want if you, if you, if you so desire. Yeah, and I think if you look at Washington – that's a great example, right? Yeah. That didn't take very long for Washington to turn it around and play for a national championship. And how did they do that? They used the transfer portal, right? You look at the success Louisville had in year one under Jeff Brom. Well, how did they do that? They used the transfer portal. And Louisville's doing it again this year in the transfer portal. I think they signed 25 uh, a year ago in the portal. Um, this year, I think they've signed 27 and have one of the best transfer portal classes in the country. Florida State took a little bit longer get there uh because the, their program was uh, an even bigger train wreck uh than what 
Miami and Florida were, quite honestly, but they've used the transfer portal as well uh, to get them to this point. So I think you're right, Josie, in the fact that, you know, there isn't a lot of patience anymore. And and there wasn't a lot of patience five years ago no, either. No. Uh, but now it's even worse because people see what other programs have done using the transfer portal. And they're like, well, why are we sitting here going, you know, five and seven? If we can use it, we're Florida. How are we five and seven when we have access to the transfer portal? That's what the fans are thinking. Um, And and so, and and by the way, it's been detrimental to Florida because they lose ETN to the portal. Now he signs with Georgia. I mean, how much does that hurt? Yeah. If you're a Florida Gator fan, Uh, and and this has happened other places too, you know, uh, Daryl Jackson left Miami to go sign with Florida state out of the transfer portal. So schools have felt that, but it does, you're right in that you have to be able to do both and it's not feasible anymore to just rely on a 25 player freshman class to get you through for, you know, three or four years. That's right. Um, Before we wrap up, what will be, or what are, some of the key story, uh, key off-season ACC football storylines. Yeah, obviously to me, number one is, we just talked about the portal, the majority of teams in the ACC went into the transfer portal to get a quarterback. Not just Miami, Florida State has DJU uh, that that they signed, uh, who's going to be a big one for them as he replaces Jordan Travis and how much improvement has he made after that one year at Oregon State from what we saw from him at Clemson. Uh, so to me, that that's a huge thing is tracking what the transfer portal quarterbacks are, are looking like and, and what they're going to be doing uh, in the ACC. Duke has one in Malik Murphy with Manny Diaz now taking over there. Um, and North Carolina, Max Johnson from NC State, Grayson McCall. I could sit here and go down the list, right. but that's a huge thing. And I think quite honestly – made the ACC feel more wide open than ever headed into this season. I I don't know that Clemson or Florida State are going to be slam dunk choices to win the ACC this year when we get to July. And and there's major questions about Clemson, too. Uh, I know they finished the season strong, but it's not as if they blew the doors off people with their offense. Uh, even though they did make improvements. And this is a crucial year for Dabo Sweeney. And we talk about portal. He still hasn't used the portal, Joe. They have signed nobody from the transfer portal. So this team is going to look very similar to the one that we saw a year ago. Are they going to be improved enough to win an ACC? That's another key storyline to pay attention to. But But I do think portal quarterbacks, Clemson, and the wide open nature of the league this year, and oh, by the way, adding three new schools and learning Stanford, Cal, and SMU, uh, and how they're going to fit into it, those to me are the biggest storylines to pay attention to this spring. And uh, finally, how much will the Florida State lawsuit be hovering over the ACC during the football season? Yeah, it's a great question. I should have mentioned that as well because that's something that uh, we have to pay attention to. I don't necessarily know how much it's going to hover over the actual games, but I can tell you that when they get together for their meetings, uh, which they've got winter meetings, they've got spring meetings later in May in Amelia Island, uh, just down the road from Jacksonville, uh, that that's going to be something that is hanging in the air, right? Because there are probably going to be some discussions the ACC wants to have without Florida State in the room, right? There's yeah. business that they have to discuss with other member schools about what they're going to be doing moving forward. Um, and why would you want Florida State in the room when they've just sued you? So to me, I think a lot of that is going to be where that is going to play a factor. But, you know, on the field, 
I don't really think it will because, you know, the ACC isn't going to treat the players any differently than they would the others in the league, right? That That's not how the ACC tends to operate. Um, they're going to treat Florida State like everybody else and their student-athletes like everybody else. So I think we've got a long time between now and kickoff to see where these lawsuits stand. I know it's going to take some time for there to be some sort of resolution. Florida State filed one in Florida. Uh, the ACC filed their own lawsuit in North Carolina, and they both want the same things, right? The ACC wants to say the grant rights is valid, and the AC in Florida State wants, no, they're not valid, so I guess they want different things. But yeah. the fact is they want a judge to step in and make a decision. Um, I don't think that's going to happen before kickoff, but certainly I expect some legal maneuverings to be happening and uh, kickoff in August. Andrea, thank you. Always informative to have you on our show, and I hope to see you in the spring, or at the very least, um, have you back on our show here uh, during the spring so we can talk more ACC football. That'd be great. Thanks for always being so kind and having me on the show, Josie. I appreciate it. All right. Andrea Adelson joining us, and we, we will continue on the show right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.